0: O'Leary, welcome to Better Reading. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, it's a complete pleasure. Um, you are so popular with our readers. It’s a, <laughs> We'll talk about that later. And I i, I kind of, because you you write for a younger audience um, and our people are, I think, our really lovely, beautiful readers uh, tend to be a little bit older. But I think there is something so wonderful and quirky and real in the fiction that you write that it's it is huge. Thank you so much. Yeah, hugely popular. Let me introduce you. Beth um, is a Sunday Times bestselling author of four novels: The Flat Chair, The Switch, The Road Trip, and her latest novel, The No Show. Her debut novel sold over one million copies and propelled her into a full-time writing career. Her novels have been translated into over 30 languages. The No Show is a delightful new romantic comedy in Beth's trademark style about dating and finding love in unexpected places. It's so it's cute and it's quirky and again it reaches people
2: of all ages. Oh, I hope so. I also still, I still can't keep a straight face when people read my bio because <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, really? Like, is that me? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, still recovering my straight face after hearing you say that. Thank you. Um, but yes, yeah, I really hope this novel is, the no-show is, is full of, there's so many characters in this book. Like, I hope there's someone in there for everyone, really. It's definitely my most expansive, ambitious novel, I'd say.
0: So you write up, down, you write, I think you write... Uh, and mainly about women, but women um, interacting at, with each other at, at, at a particular age, but all ages—they cross
2: all ages, all experiences, all lifestyles. Is that right? Oh well, I try to, and like I, I, I enjoyed. I mean, I guess the switch is the is my book where I, I kind of. Wrote about that age difference the most, um, which was a really fun challenge. Writing Eileen, who's seventy nine, in that book uh, because the story there is about a grandmother and a granddaughter swapping lives, and uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting challenge for me. I was helped by I was. Um, like volunteering at that point at a at, uh, lunch club for isolated older people in my area so every week I was sitting down with some people from kind of 80 to I think our um, oldest lady was 104 um, oh, wow. which was amazing so that was that was and it was honestly it was actually so it was really big for me like it was very um, eye-opening and they're so they were always very grounding as I was kind of spinning through trying to follow up the flat share which was you know, in lots of ways, a bit of a whirlwind.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how um, your career launched. So, you know, you're obviously very young and very successful. Congratulations. I mean, to have your first novel (laughs) go to, what is it, sold
2: over one million copies is kind of a mirroring world. So it's good for you. Yeah. I was just going to say I feel like so so extraordinarily lucky. Like that that feels like a, I can't really, I think, like marry the two, the the, the the little story that I wrote on the train. You know, I wrote the flatshare on my commute to and from work, and it has a very special place in my heart. And you know, when I think of that little story, it's hard to like. I almost, it's almost like in a different part of my brain from like the flatshare that I get emails about. In you know, that's that's read all over the world, and I, it's. Yeah, it's almost too much for my for my head. <laughs> okay, let's go back to the flat chair
0: and and go back. Tell me where you got the idea to start writing. Have you always wanted to
2: be a writer? What
0: have, were you working
2: I've, as when you were on the train commuting? Um, so yeah, I've I've ever since I was a child, I've I've written. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of always been my my passion and my hobby, really. There's lots of in my parents' loft, lots of scribblings and old like scrap paper um, of stories that I wrote when I was a child. Um, and yeah, when I, when I was writing the flat share, I was, um, I was working in children's publishing. So I worked in like licensing. So I did, um, kind of activity books that tied into like TV shows and stuff. It was a really buzzy, amazing, creative industry. Um, and it also meant I was like inside a publishing house. And even though it was a very different kind of publishing, I think it showed me, it made me believe that it can happen for people. Like there were people in that building, you know, with the dream that I had coming true. And I, I think, you know, gave me more courage to send the book out to agents when I did. Um, But uh, yeah, it was hard to find the time to keep up writing. So the the train was my solution. Yeah. So you were commuting for how many hours a day? So it was just over an hour each way. So that's two and a bit, solid hours, solid time, you know, writing every day, which really does add up. And actually I still work well in, I still work well on trains um, and I still work well in those short bursts. So you need to be moving to write. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, luckily, not luckily. that's not the only way I can do it. Otherwise, I'd have to just get a season ticket and go up and down the line. That's
0: right. I can imagine that. Actually, there's a story right there, don't you think? Um, the
2: rider on Absolutely. the train. Yeah. Were you riding on a, a, a laptop or were you riding... Yeah. Yeah. Um, A a laptop that actually had very dodgy battery life, which also meant that sometimes if I got delayed, it would be so annoying because I'd be like, I've got more writing time, but my laptop's died. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) The laptop would give in before I got there. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually I invested in some noise cancelling headphones, which was like the best money I ever spent because um, they cost a lot, but they were, they were so worth it because I could just switch them on when I got on the train and it was like turn off the background noise. I'm in my writing zone now. And do you think your experience in publishing, even though it was a different field, uh, helped you to get published? For sure. And it's particularly in kind of making it feel reachable, I think. Um, it, it, You know, I guess it probably, I also learned a bit about sort of how how books are sold, I guess. And 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 to sort of understand like that side of things probably helped me. Um, it certainly helped after the... Um, the book kind of sold all over the world because I, at least I knew what like selling Mm. rights internationally was like, it would have been so, I mean, it was pretty overwhelming even as it was, but it would have been more so I think if I'd not had a little bit of inside knowledge. So, I mean, there is a genre feel
0: to what you're writing, a genre feel. Like it's, Mm. it's that beautiful, um, young, quirky, uh, what would you call it? fiction. It's, it's, it's not completely romance, is it? Mm. But it's certainly got a really lovely style and it deals with big issues in a um, humorous kind of way, if you like. I mean, I I find them very, very real. Like, you know, I'm sitting right in there and that's a friend of mine and off we go. Mm. Um, But did you, is that what you thought of? Like, is that the genre that you were going?
2: Like when story came to you, was it in that place? That's a good question. I I don't know how much I thought about kind of genre really and and I would say now I sort of see myself as I'd say I'm a romantic comedy writer that's partly because a lot of the sort of I don't know I I wouldn't want to yeah it's quite hard to pigeonhole my books I think it Um, is but it is but that's probably the common thread like is that there's usually a love story and I hope that they make you laugh and smile um but they do very much um have their you know they're very grounded in reality I think And, and for me that's I don't know. It just, to be honest, it just happens when I'm writing and I get to know the characters. And I think, I think a happy ending means more for me when the characters have been through some struggles and you've seen them through those. And then when you, when they do find love, then it means so much more to you. And I think that's why um, those sort of darker themes tend to kind of come into my, my stories um, just as I get to know the characters. But yeah, I would say I, I, I tend to like Take little elements from other genres here and there. I did, I, I remember actually when I, when I was first writing, when we were we decided to send out the flat share, I, I did worry about that. I was like, are people going to think they don't know what it is? <laughs> but luckily everyone's been very welcoming of it.
0: Well, we've all flat shared as well.
2: <laughs> <kind> of horror, <laughs> yes, true. Right? We all know. <laughs>
0: um, the no show. I mean, you know, you do, you, you just mentioned there, that, you know, there are romantic comedies, but there is always an element of of darkness in them that mm. gets resolved of course and the no-show mm. is so, I mean how topical is that the no-show yeah I feel like which element are you
2: thinking of uh the dating ah uh, yes I see what you mean yes. Yes. yeah yeah
0: yeah <laughs> I mean you know we see we we hear so many bad stories don't we
2: oh yeah and you know it's such a there's so much out there and as a as a romance writer you're always kind of on the lookout like you've always got like I've always got sort of when you know if someone will say something about a a tinder date or whatever it might be or they've been internet dating whatever and I'm I'm kind of like oh interesting um and I do I loved the idea so the, the no show begins with this three women who are all stood up on the very worst day to be stood up valentine's day and the idea of turning up for a date and the person not showing i mean it's one of those deep like it goes deep that one doesn't it like you can yes. and you can really you immediately cringe for them right you immediately wince
0: <laughs> well and also too the i mean i i, I I don't know if I could ever do it, but you know, hats off to people that do it, that just sit there in a cafe mm. and you know, I mean, it's I i I'd imagine it's very tough, but also it can be very worrying for young people as well. You know, I mean, we hear a lot mm. of terrible stories. But yeah, you you present it in a way that's really um that I think, you know, um doesn't shy away from how difficult it is, uh, but the joys of it as well. Mm. Mm. Um, do you bring in your own experiences to something like that to
2: writing about dating well no, I, to writing I just, about any of your subjects oh yeah um I think probably as you get sort of yeah I I guess I it, it's not always easy for me to tell when I have and when I haven't if I'm honest because I think yeah. things from life it, it's hard to say like where um when something might pop up in a book and and for me writing is quite a um or I was going to say organic process, but that sounds a bit, um, overblown, but like it, it's, it's not, I'm not a big planner on the whole, although I did plan the no show. Um, uh, that, that's a change of, a change of approach for me, but generally I, I tend to be very like led by my characters. They sort of tell me where the story's going to go. And sometimes I will have a day where I almost feel like the story's writing itself and, and I'm just, I'm just there typing. Um, and that's the best feeling. Like that's what I do it for, you know, like that, that it's such a rush, um, having, having that feeling of a story just kind of taking over. And, and so often those days are the days where you come up with the amazing material, but yeah, so it's not always kind of easy. It's not kind of like, I, I sort of sit down and think about the ingredients, like so much of it just sort of magically happens or on some days doesn't magically happen, of course, which is, uh, Writer's block is is just part of the process.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So after your first book, did you start writing full-time? I did, yeah, Yeah. which was a big change. Yeah, I can imagine. And are you disciplined to write? Like, I mean, is your, like recently I am... I met with Isabella Lundy, um here in San Francisco, and she told me that she starts writing on the 8th of January every year, a new book, and she writes from 9 to 5 or 9 to 6. What's
2: your approach? Wow. So I I use word counts generally rather than time at desk, which I've found works better for me. Yeah. Um, because the the day just sort of otherwise I found when I started writing full time, like you can't, writing is one of those things where it's not really like the more effort you put in, the better for me it isn't anyway the better kind of product you get out sometimes I will if I sit at a desk for hours and hours I just don't come up with anything and then the moment I go out to walk the dog I come up with an idea that kind of undoes two months of writing but it it needs doing you know so it's very um I've had to learn to sort of step away more um and I think I so so word counts helped me with that because I kind of I I set myself two thousand words a day when I'm writing a first draft, generally, um, because that's that's too much to um, do any editing as I go along. Like I, that's a that's a real stretch in a day. So I don't have the opportunity to go back and fiddle with it and try and make it better. Um, I just have to put the words down. But it's um, it's kind of not so much that I feel like it's unachievable. So that's sort of where I try and you know. um, But when I'm editing, it is much more like nine to five. Sit down, really, really immerse yourself for as long as you can. Cause actually when I'm working on a second draft, even taking, you know, a week away, sometimes I feel like it's like the book kicks you out. You're like, oh, let me back in again. I've like lost it again. Um, and it take, can take a few days to to get that immersive feeling again. So um, yeah, it does depend a bit on what stage of the process I'm at. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry?
0: With the success of your first book, so you found yourself an agent, you got published, tell me your feelings around that because a lot of authors say to me that that you never get that feeling back again.
2: Oh, I know, and and I remember it so clearly and occasionally I can still sort of taste that feeling of just, yeah. it was like, um, I even just the, the first email from my agent, who, the person who is now my agent, saying that they'd enjoyed the manuscript and they wanted to meet me. I mean, she 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 made my year just by sending that email like that's how much this meant to me and um and I was so excited and then to to find that someone wanted to publish the book it was like I remember that phone call so well. I remember I sat on the floor and I just kept saying, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god." And my <laughs> agent was so patient with me; she was like talking me through. It. And then she kind of said, "Like we do need to go and like accept the offer now." It's <laughs> like, "Oh, okay." Um, <laughs> but I remember going downstairs, and I remember, I remember I was in my pajamas with a big woolly jumper on. I remember running down the stairs and walking into the kitchen, and my uh, then boyfriend, now husband, and. I remember his face when I told him and his mouth just dropped open (laughs) Um, and I cried and he made me a very large gin and tonic. And I remember I put on my, I I have, I tend to have a playlist for each book and uh, I had one for the flat share and I I remember I put it, I put the playlist on and drank my G&T and lay on the floor and just thought like, (laughs) I can't believe this is happening. (laughs) So getting published is one thing.
0: I mean, truly, in the scheme of things, it's a small thing, really, because then you've got to find
2: your audience and your readership. And writing with an audience is so different from writing on your train journey in the hope that maybe one day someone will want to read your books. Um, And I really felt that with, with my second novel. I felt a great sense of responsibility because I suddenly had readers, but also, you know, people relying on me sort of saying, we're waiting for the next book and I, I no one had ever waited for my books before <laughs> um and spent a lot of time in my head i think thinking about not wanting to let anyone down and actually it was only once i stopped thinking like that that i could feel i think creative enough to write a really good book that i was proud of i had to sort of be like you know what i'm not going to think about everyone else i'm going to it's just me and the blank page and that's that's a lesson that i've really learned now is is sometimes i i can you know I need to disconnect a little bit to give myself space to write
0: yeah so your first book uh, sold a million copies and the book switch tell me about mm. that and tell me about the option of the film rights
2: yes oh so yeah the, the, what a what a confidence boost on the second book um so it the the rights very the rarely, rights have been
0: very rarely happens
2: Right, it does. It's so it's so yeah. crazy, really. Um, but yeah, Amblin Partners, who are um, Steven Spielberg's production company, have the uh have optioned um the Switch uh for film, which is just unbelievable. And you can imagine like what that you know those those <laughs> conversations were like. Um, just sort of s- sitting there, kind of feeling like I was in another world really like this sort of thing doesn't happen to <laughs> real people um but yes so that's 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 really really exciting
0: yeah and so it's at the moment it's just been optioned and we're waiting for a script is that right is that
2: how mm. it works so yeah it's an um, it's in progress at the moment but um yeah we do we do I can say that uh, Rachel Brosnahan is lined up to play Lena and executive producer which is very exciting oh that's really exciting and do you get involved in that process at all? Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I, that sort of depends a little bit on the the team and things like that. But yeah, I wouldn't want to be too involved, to be honest. I think, um, yeah. yeah, I think you, ha- I think either I'd have to be, I, it's difficult to kind of half do it. Like it is a, you know, a film is such a different um, way of telling stories and, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not what I do. And um, I, you know, I want it to be brilliant, obviously. So I kind of am, handing over to people that know how to do that really well um and yeah it, it kind of also it's hard because it's your it's your story and you don't and of course they're going to change things because they they should you know because it, it's it's a big difference in in medium but um I think uh, it's that thing where you think oh yeah I'm fine with that and then when it actually comes to it you're like oh am I am I <laughs> so I think it's best to kind of be for me it works better to be a bit more hands-off
0: I think my um my favourite adaptations, usually the author is just an executive producer or a producer mm. because I think you're right, it's a it's a completely different craft unless they're screenwriters or scriptwriters, yeah, it doesn't mm. work. Okay, so, so you're up to book number four, is that right? Mm,
2: yeah. yeah, isn't yeah. that mad? I don't know uh, when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so That's right. a lot of tens of thousands of words. <laughs> yeah. And is that a book a year? It is, yeah. I've been doing a book a year for the last four years.
0: Yeah, wow. And raising a family at the same time.
2: Well, no, so my my little one uh, came along last, last summer. So from now on, it'll, I, I think, be a little bit more of a gap between books. <laughs> right, okay. Taking the pressure off. And do you think you'll stick to the same genre? I think so. I can't see myself writing anything else, really. This just feels like... It's who you um, are. Totally, yeah. And and I think it's, it's what I love to read as well. Like, I, I love this sort of fiction. So I'd be surprised if I... I, yeah, I don't have that kind of yen. You know how some people have a yeah. bit of a, a yen to write something else. That's for me. This is where I want to be. Well, definitely this stage of your
0: career. I was going to ask you. I mean, one, do you have time to read, and two, when you do read,
2: who do you tend to read? Yeah, I I always read. I'm now finding now that I'm um, now that I'm a, a mum and time is very limited. I have found new ways. So I actually read on my phone at the moment, which is. Um, which is working really well, but it does mean that I'm glued to my phone <laughs> even more of the day. But um, yeah, so I, I tend to read, I mean, I love writers like Marion Keys, Sophie Kinsella. Um, and I also, I really love sort of, there's loads of amazing US romance writers who I massively admire like Helen Huang, Emily Henry, Christina Lauren, those sorts of writers. And at the moment, I that's sort of the seems to be what I'm reaching for is, is romance, romantic comedy, kind of stories about family life and and love really. I, I read the occasional thriller, um, but they have to be very, I get, I just get stressed. They have to be, they have to be nice and, um, they have to be quite gentle, um, or, you know, one of the really, really big ones that's got a super clever twist. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, and I, you know, the classics is something I've always read, I love and Austin Is Jane Austen is, is one of my absolute favorites, but it's been a while since I've picked one up. I think, you know, one of the amazing things about this job is you get sent free copies of books to comment on. And I tend to get sent things in my genre. So it, it does mean that it's a conscious effort for me to be like, do you know what? I, I need something a bit different. I might read like something written 200 years ago or, you know, okay. something from a different genre.
0: How do you think that that um, influences your writing, what you read? I sometimes, and, you know, this probably happens to you, I don't write, but, you know, I've read a book and I've put it down and then I'm in a conversation somewhere and I'm talking to someone and somehow a line comes to me from that book and I can't remember which book it was. And it's not that I'm, you know, you're not plagiarising, but it, it kind of a good book really sits with you and come, you know, becomes part of who you are, I think. And so mm. it is for me, it becomes, you know, part of my conversation and part of who I am and blah, blah, blah. But as a writer, you've got to be careful not to mimic, to
2: just really be influenced, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't really feel that when I'm writing, like I, I've never kind of no. had that feeling of like, oh, I feel like I'm you know, this isn't my voice, if that makes sense. I've yes. not kind of but I do find that um there's a sort of period, particularly when I'm coming up with a new idea, which is always always a slightly nerve-wracking process because you think any minute now, I'm gonna have a good idea. Um, but I there's a sort of it's almost like my brain like opens up. I'm quite monogamous with my books. So when I'm when I'm in a book, I'm in that book and I, I I'm not really thinking about any other books, but when I finish a first draft of a story and I'm waiting for that next idea, um, I get almost like, I'm like a bit of a sponge and I, everything I watch and everything I read, mm. like some little tiny thing will go, make yeah. me go, oh, you know, that's interesting that even just that word interests me or that element of that character interests me. And, you know, it might be something that 10 steps later becomes a third of an idea that never happens, but that period, um, I tend to read a lot more and, and I, I often do want to reach for things that are a bit different that might kind of spark something in an off the wall way. And, yeah, just kind of consume stories in that stage, even whether that's just eavesdropping dropping on the bus or <laughs> having a chat with your neighbor, like all of those things are ways of you know, you know are, are different stories, aren't they?
0: Yeah. And observing other people. You know, you were saying that you enjoyed books. Um, Marianne Keyes, they write beautiful mm. family, lovely um characters is what I'm going to say. And uh, relationships, I think they do really, really well. But you're very young and you're writing about things that are topical to you. Now, do you think, I mean, I'm, I'm this is probably hard for you to answer, but do you think you've changed in the four years? Like, you know, growing, developing, even having a baby, does that change
2: what you write? Such a good question. I think probably, yes, like the ideas that I reach for and excite me probably are evolving. I mean, I very, when I look at my books, I I sort of, for me, they are almost like little chapters of, of my life, not because they're about me but just because when I I look at them and remember the year I wrote them you know and and you know what I was up to that year and and they're kind of like a little I I wonder how I mean it's only been four years I, yeah. I hope to carry on doing this for a long time I'd be very Absolutely. interested to know what I'll be writing in 25 yeah. years if I'm still going and if anyone is bothered it's still about still reading me <laughs>
0: I'm sure they will And I'm sure that your books will um, I'm not going to say develop and grow Because they don't need developing But they will grow with you Is what I'm trying Mm, to say, I think And I think that that's that's really It is, and I think readers love that as well Because they grow as well Yeah, they
2: can grow with me
0: (laughs) Yeah, they can All right, well, I'll let you go Beth O'Leary, wonderful conversation And thanks for your time today Thank you so much for having me It's been lovely
2: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.